welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast, where we'll discuss all things coon hounds, from competition hunting to pleasure hunting with family and friends. I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and we'll take an in-depth look at our hounds from the welcome box to the winter circle and all the stops in between. So grab your notebooks and your pencils because class is in session. Coonhunting University is brought to you by Superior Hunting Lights. Superior, step up to the max. Use discount code CHUPODCAST at checkout on nighthunters.com. Conkey's Outdoors, hunting and hound supply store. We stand behind Conkey's and is the only hunting supply store that we personally recommend here at Coonhunting University. You can find out more at conkeysoutdoors.com or find them on Facebook, Conkey's Outdoors, and give them a like. And GNR Cedar Dog Boxes. They make a high quality cedar dog box at a great affordable price. If you're in the market for a new dog box, reach out to Gavin at 615-962-5266. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming to you from DeWitt, Arkansas, right outside the Dale Bumpers White River National Wildlife Refuge, where we've been here since Wednesday, today, Saturday. And this will be our third night of hunting. We've had a good time, treat lots and lots of coons. And I'm here with the, I guess I'd include myself in this, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We've got- Whose lips? Apocalypse. We've got the, <laughs> we've got the shooter. Yut, Caleb Griffin. We've got the old man, Brent Lipscomb. And we've got the bull shooter, Keith Gilly. And I'm your host, Alan Bridges, and I have no idea what they're gonna say about me, other than Brent would say, I have the silky smooth voice. Of Alan Burgundy. And we have got him talked into doing a segment called Building Bridges with Alan, where he will give advice on coon hunting and training, since there's a bridge gap between him and John Wick, who was the last great advice giver. See what I gotta put up with? All right, so we've been out here since Wednesday. I guess I'll start with you, Caleb. Since you said you didn't wanna do much talking, I gotta send you out first. How's it been? It's been amazing. This is my second year coming down here. It's phenomenal hunting, open hardwoods, really tuning the dog up. Last time I came down here, I had my dog Preacher and was just hunting him. This year I've got a pup, which is a half-brother Preacher. and. We just been rolling. We kind of teamed up to y'all two and us two, and everything kind of split up to cover more ground, and not have so many dogs hunting together. It's been a, like I said, it's number one hunting place in the United States as far as for any type of hunting, waterfowl, small game, big game, whatever else. And this is like a really paradise vacation for all of us. We've been looking forward to this for since last year. All right, well, I've had a blast. I mean, we've treated Buku's coons. I know Brent and Lee and I, we shot out 12 last night and seen Buku's more than not for that. We shot out 11 and it's just been, you know, dog world. I think last night we ravished what a coon every 150 to 200 yards, Brent. It is bad when you're trying to get back to the truck and camp for the dog's treeing coons. We each had four or five coons apiece, lugging them on dog leashes and over our shoulders and trying to track dogs and walk in a general direction toward the truck and it was um it was more work than hunting but it was all in good fun we had a great time brent give me your take flat the water's down this year which is great minus the other night minus the other night brent got a little water shy on us due to a boating problem that he had to cause him a little scare off the dock when Brent gets above ankle deep water, he starts going for the. He starts going. <laughs> yes, I almost fell. I almost drowned. If it hadn't been for Alan, give him a shout out for saving me. Legitimately, about drowned. Now Brentley has to wear a life jacket when he takes a bath. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, when he hits when he hits water above ankle deep, he does a hasty retreat, and he leaves that. He doesn't mind handing a dog leash over to go get his dog for it. Golly! But it's all a good fun. It's all. Oh, a good it, fun. 
the it wasn't that bad folks guys it was super scary that night especially for brent because he was the one in the water but it was pretty doggone scary for me too because when i got to my friend there was about one inch of the top of his ball head sticking out of the water. So we knew, we do now have a... But he was floating with his head so big. <laughs> we now have a new rule when we go hunt at home on the boat. It's called the Brent Lipscomb rule. We put the life jackets on before we get wet, not after. But having said all that, that was a... That was scary. And I hope... If anybody's listening to this, get your chuckle out of it. But for real, don't play around when you're decked out in your coon hunting gear and you come out of a boat in 20 feet of water. If you don't have a life jacket on, you're going to die. Brent got lucky, and so did I. Just thankful so, neither one of you guys had waders on. Exactly. But anyway, back to the original scheduled programming Brent your take on the on the refuge last night was the most coons I'd ever treated in a single block of woods there's coons galore good friends down here can get in a lot of dog work having a great time no kidding we've probably shot out a year's worth of coons on a dog at least in two nights. Yeah, back where we're from, where I'm from in South Carolina in the mountains, if you shot up this many coons in a night, you'd be extinct for two years. You'd have to bring them in from town and repopulate your ground. Where I live out, we average maybe a coon per three quarters, of, one coon every three quarters of a mile to a mile. And um, everybody that hunts dogs, if you know anything about hunting dogs, you can't, I don't care where you say you hunt at, the mountains is good on a dog for training, that's not true. The more scenarios you can get a dog in, the better the dog's gonna be. So if you got a young dog bringing them to a place that's this highly populated with a, a nuisance cre creature, as they call them out here because of the duck population and the turkey population, they want them off the refuge. It's phenomenal for a young dog to be able to get them in different scenarios over and over and over again. And you can make your corrections and run them as they go. All right. And now, this could be considered the first episode of Building Bridges with Alan. You know I'm going to edit all this out, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, like I said, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We're, we're all more brothers than friends, so. That's right. Heath Gilly, one of my oldest friends and I've been coon hunting with him since I was a kid. He was in my wedding and we have gotten into some crazy situations together. Heath? You called him. Oh you, no, don't go there. Did you not have enough friends to fill up your groomsmen? No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> was was you desperate? <laughs> That was the last resort. No, no. Gosh. He, he, he's, he's, he's my buddy. I know. Give me your take. We were, even though Brent's the oldest, me and you were the old man cast. This place, it's the, uh, about the third time I've been here this year. Third time it. this year? No, the, Chuck. This you got to speak up, be, Use your man voice. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, my, my wife has them in her purse, so oh I can't. Oh my God, that's getting edited. Uh, <laughs> oh no, the building bridges with Alan. That's getting edited. Anywho, th this year will make the third building year bridges. I've been here. And uh, it's a really, really good place to hunt. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just, cre you know, river bottoms open. I mean, we don't have anything like it around the house there, you know, where we live. There aren't even any briars. Or pine trees. No, it's all hardwoods. It's no it's no uh, pines, no. Hardwoods and pecans. Cypress. And cypress. And cypress trees, lots of cypress trees. But there, there's no pines, there's no briars. I mean, it's, you could drive a, actually you could drive a truck through most of the bottoms 
you know, if you could, they're just they're just that open, big old hardwoods, which makes a problem a lot of times. We we made several trees last night and some huge oaks, a uh, couple of the coons we found, some of them we didn't. You know, they still could have been there, but good, you know, goodness, it, it was just the trees so big. You know, it's it's hard to find them because there's still a lot of leaves on the trees here. You know, that's just blue tick slick tree. It could be. It could be. You know, I mean, that's how blue dogs do. But for the most part, I mean, it's a phenomenal place. If I, I would tell anybody, you know, put it on their bucket list. If you've never been, you need to try to at least go one time in your life. Any, any coon hunter should come here. Any hunter, any hunter. Any yeah, actually, hunter. any sportsman. I mean, there's great deer hunting here, turkey hunting, heck, even fishing. I mean, there there's a lot to do here for for just your avid sportsman. So I would advise anybody to uh, at least try it once in your life. Try it. Sweet. So I think these three guys have given a a very vivid and applicable explanation of of the refuge. You know, this is my first time being out here, and. I'm not gonna lie, it's freaking unbelievable. There's a coon in every tree, except for where me and Heath's dog's tree, there's not coons there. But I it's 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 unbelievably good. And and the locals here, well they don't want them. They they want them gone. And there is literally a pile of fur in the front yard of this cabin right now. And the locals drive by and stop and visit with you and they make sure get them all get them all and if you've got a young dog bring him let me interrupt you for one second by no means are we promoting killing every coon in every tree across america this is what they want we're not here because we're wanting to slaughter and put a hole in coons in America. This is a certain place. So to all y'all young people out there, you make one tree with five coons, not one coon out. And believe it or not, that's all we've been doing. We've made several trees with three or four coons up and only one comes out. So please don't go destroy coons across America. And another thing, uh, like me and Alan, there was a, uh, there's been several trees that our two dogs would be split and both of them have a coon but yet we would just shoot one coon and just let the you know both dogs have that one coon because they were so close they didn't know whose coon it was you know so we you know you get one and plus you leave one for seed and all but nothing this place here has been hunted oh gosh it has been hunted for years and years and years and at times, I mean, you come down here and there would be dogs just treed everywhere. It'd be real crowded. It'd be hard to find a place to cut loose, honestly, without turning loose on somebody. But yet, you still come back the next year and there's still just as many coons as there was the year before. So, you, yeah, we are taking quite a few coons out, but they will be just as many next year. But you got to give you got to let give a lot of that credit to the the wildlife from Arkansas, the Wildlife and Fisheries Department from Arkansas. Right. They only opened this refuge to run dogs for just a few weeks out of the year, and um, it's not like some uh, some of the states who I think are making mistakes in opening a kill season year round. Georgia on, on game exactly on game management land. Um, they're opening now. now Georgia doesn't have year round on game on private land. I'm no sorry, problem. but. At the same time, you know, their kill season is only open a few, or for out here is only open for a few weeks. On the refuge. I, I understand this. I was just iterating it. And they, you know, with that being said, it's only open when after the cow or sows have already had kittens. So there's, it's not like you're killing sows that have kittens out and, you know, so leaving the kittens alone. He said sows. He said cows first. That's just your Georgia ears. It might have been, but it was that South Carolina slang come out of your mouth. And one more thing. So I have to deal to, with folks. To all you deer hunters out there, we have probably seen a hundred deer 
and Caleb tried to play Indian and spear one with a stick. It it just looked at us and walked off. So we're not running to deer off deer hunters. That's getting edited out. <laughs> Why? What the? F- and that can go on building bridges bumper stickers. You're not supposed to tell the shady side of us. <laughs> No, basically, the deer are here. They don't care. But on private land, we we do understand we need to respect the the landowner's wishes. And this is the sole truth for any unsmart individual that thinks that tree and coons runs your deer off, you're dumb. And that's just plain and simple. If that dog is not chasing that deer, that deer could care less. Where's my beep button. <laughs> that dog could care less whether that dog, whether you're, or that deer could care less whether the dogs are there or not. They're going to keep on doing their business, and as long as that dog's not chasing them, they're going to go on about their business. And you just leave them alone, and they'll stay right in your area. Matter of fact, I'm a deer hunter myself, and I've had a lot better luck coon hunting area the night before I go deer hunting because at least it gets them up moving. And they will be more active in the morning times and everything. Absolutely. And you killed a really nice deer before we come down. I did. I did. I killed a 17-inch wide eight-point and everything, which is from my area. It was a, a, a fairly nice deer. And tell the people how you scouted and found the deer. Well, the night before, I just so happened to be coon hunting and uh, saw the, doe, the buck chasing a doe. And I proceeded to be there at daylight the next morning and running a grunt call, and here he come. I shot him about 15 minutes after daylight. See, coon hunting has his advantages when it, it comes does. to deer hunting. It does. It allows me a legal version of scouting at night. Right. <clears throat> Don't tell all your secrets, man. Well, everybody's got the same spotlight that I've got. <laughs> Just trying to reiterate, coon hunting does not hurt the deer and run them off. Now, this is this has been an extraordinary, extraordinarily good trip. Now, we were able to rent a cabin fairly inexpensively. I'll say this: that this, I think, this part of Arkansas has been hit by the inflation that we've all been experiencing probably a little harder than it has hit us at home i went to the dollar general and bought a carton of eggs a dozen eggs four dollars and thirty cents wow that's all i can tell you went to the local i agree i went to the local store and bought a bag of freaking cedar shavings eighteen dollars for a bag a small bag of cedar shavings for wood chips. And what's really ridiculous is I bought two cans of Copenhagen snuff and it was fifteen ninety three for two cans. Now that's ridiculous. But the beer's cheap. But the beer is cheap. And goes down smooth and helps Alan with his This is Building Bridges with Alan Burgundy. <laughs> you gotta know I'm gonna take that out. And silky smooth voice. And silky smooth voice. <laughs> Sheriff Woody. Sheriff Woody. <laughs> Lord have mercy. So, kind of give us a description, Caleb. We'll start with you of the way you went about you and Brent. The way you've gone about. I don't want to say attacking, but but proceeding with your hunt. You know, you're, you're hunting we, we brought the past couple of nights. We, we, I brought a side-by-side. Right. You and Brent elected to not bring a side-by-side. Right. Well, in years past, we've come out here and we, you know, we know kind of the little areas around these, the refuge that we can go to that we've had success in the past and we kind of know the layout of the land, which it changes year to year due to the water levels rising and falling. Just so happened this year, the water level's been really low. So there's a lot of sloughs that's dried up. A lot of the bottoms are dry. Amazing walking. Brent didn't have to wear his life jacket in ankle deep water. And uh, I'm just kidding, Brent. Anyways, nah, we, we would take our Garmin map cards and we would look at and scout out areas and just kind of find like the, the hard lines of water and use them as a, as a border, as a, as a kind of a buffer. 
and just run, you know, because you, you're not going to strike anything unless it's on water. We haven't had any luck. You know, you're going to you're gonna strike them alongside of water somewhere, but that's just coon hunting anywhere. And um, that's just kind of how we would. we kind of get a scout of an area that was going to be out to where we can be solely by ourselves to where we kind of didn't have to worry about dogs coming in to cover eider dogs. Because if there's one thing, and they, these guys, people's got different opinions on this, I hate a covering dog. If you've got a dog that backpacks and covers and comes to a dog barking, you are not my type of individual to hunt or hunt a dog. I don't like that. I dog style a lot more trouble and they've got a lot more brain power being by themselves. Brentley and I, we cut it down. We had two old do old dogs and a pup and we just go from tree to tree. We'd go send them, they'd make a tree, shoot the coon or whatever, pull them off, recut, make another tree and we'd go from tree to tree to tree to tree to tree and we'd kind of make a variation loop for instance last night we made about a mile horseshoe and just kind of worked our way back to trail and we had a very successful run at it last night to clarify at our furthest point from the truck we was 1.1 mile so it was really a two mile hike Exactly. Well, we averaged a coon every 150 to 200 yards. But the, uh, what you were saying about uh, the dogs covering, uh, I, I'll say this, uh, you know, if you do decide to come out here, you want a dog that's fairly independent because if you got a dog that's got big ears, you're going to have a miserable gonna time. You're going to have a miserable time and you're going to be in for a long night. This, but, ladies and gentlemen, this land is flat as a pancake and you can hear over my, way over a mile, mile and a half deep and at all, any given time, all night long, you're going to hear dogs tree. So if your dog will cover, you better have a good handle on him with a Garmin or electronic device to be able to control where he goes into because nobody likes being treated and trying to have a good time and having somebody else's dogs randomly coming in there because... You don't have to wait on them to come in there to get their dog and you don't want to shoot the coon out and you know risk some people having an ill dogs or whatever it's going to come cover it's just it just makes for a lot less of a cluster if you have an independent dog or you have a great control over your dog that's another thing too like caleb said if you come here you uh, definitely want a dog that's got a good handle on it because they they are some spots uh dogs can get across so many sloughs and they won't be very wide, but uh, we're like we're saying, we're they lucky. Are deep. <laughs> yeah, they are deep. we're lucky this year. They there are some that are dried up, but the ones that do have water in them, whoa, they are deep. You would be swimming across it if you tried to get to the other side. And this timber up here is so open, big open, big timber. You're you liable to walk yourself. Yoder Nylon has long been known for producing the highest quality briar-proof products on the market. Now they've formed a partnership with Razor Hunting Gear to produce all of Razor's new hunting products. Razor has a wide selection of products from competition belts, chest rigs, strap vests, to hunting jackets. These products look as well as they perform. Razor Hunting Gear, designed by coon hunters for coon hunters. Razor Hunting Gear's newest products are now available for order. You can find a link in the description box below. To a heartache and a half of death trying to find a foot log across these sloughs so your chances of finding a foot log to get across there are slim to none and we don't have p-rows on our back so you got to have a handle and a lot of times unfortunately that comes and i know this is going to go against a lot of people's way of thinking and i would not do this to a young dog but being able to tone a dog off a tree and it knowing and having enough sense in its brain to knowing it's okay to to be taunt and it doesn't mean anything bad you know that's that's a huge huge key factor and everything like that but so there's there's like i had to my dog was running the track last night and pushed it all way across maddox bay river or the bay over there and pushed it across the river and i was like nope nope reverse hit you know i, I toned him off of a track because there's no way to get around to there without going 10 miles out of the way to come in there and it just saved us a lot of time and effort. Whereas back in the day with beep beep systems without shot collars or, you know, beep beep, we'd, we'd, we'd burn our whole night right there. And I, we had the same situation ourselves almost. I mean, uh, my dog was treated across the slough and he was on a leaning tree and got to him fairly quick. 
but when I got to him and I could see see him on the other side, he was uh, fixing to climb up that tree because it was leaning enough where he could get up it, which would have been a bad thing because if anybody from the deep south knows about cypress knees, I mean, they were tall cypress knees at the bottom of this tree, like three foot high and pointy as a spear. So if he'd got up that tree and fell out, he'd, he'd been a dead dog. But just so happened I got to him fairly quick and I was able to call him, you know, back across there before before anything bad happened. So it's, it's, if you come, I mean, it's great to have a good handle on your hand when, if you're able to come. The opinions expressed on this episode of Coon Hunting University are solely of the opinionated and not the opinion of Coon Hunting University podcast. Thank you. What are you trying to say? Oh, I was going back to Caleb. No. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, opinion, everybody's got their own opinion, and you know, some of us like winning dogs, and some of us like backpackers. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm not one for having a backpacker. I can't stand a backpacker. I mean, I was just talking about the part where you said deer hunters were dumb. <laughs> oh, oh, well, um, I hate to say this, but. He didn't say all deer. <laughs> according to according to the Facebook standards, some of the dumbest individuals in this world are simple-minded people that have a one-way mind about a certain type of hunting. In order to be an outdoor enthusiast like all of us are about all types of game, you've got to be understanding to every type of game and understand that it's not everything's based around one specific type, and you've got to be open-minded to know. All this <laughs> circles. See, yeah, you got to be open. To, I had to edit all this out. You got to be, you got to be open minded. Know, that's staying. You got to be open minded <laughs> to know when to give and when to, you know, when to take and when to give. And if you don't know how other people hunt and what other people do, then basically what you're saying, Caleb, is. People that Damn, hunt, I don't even know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how to word it correctly. Um, what you're saying is people that hunt other things and don't care about what you're hunting, they should still respect respect you. Yes. You know, and we should, you know, we try to respect the deer hunters, but, you know, and most, most coon hunters know we get very little, if any, respect from deer hunters at all. And I think that's kind of what you were trying well, to say. Well, exactly. Like us as coon, you know, we, well, I said us as coon hunters. That is not even politically correct. We, we as coon hunters. We ins. Oh. Yins. <laughs> now, we know this, you know, most of us, once deer season starts, you know, we don't hunt private land until after deer season closes because the landowners and the people within the clubs, they think, oh, well, you're running the deer off, you're running the deer. And that's fine. That, they pay their money for the leases. That's 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 completely fine. That's their business. I would say, I would I would, I would, would argue a little bit, Caleb, that those opinions and those hardline stances are starting to soften just a little bit because those deer hunters are having those pictures on their on their trail cam sent to their phone with 10, 15, or 20. Well, exactly. Well, I want to th- agree to you that there. If you've priced corn in the past year and two years, how much a 50-pound bag of corn's gone up to, you know, deer hunters don't want to be paying $17 for a bag of corn and it getting eat up in two days by coons. And so now they're getting, you know. That, that stance is softening just a little bit. Just a little bit. And they're realizing the value of a good coon hound. And, and they've got to also understand, you know, I've had a, this happen a lot of times the landowner will be like, you can hunt, but I want every coon you tree shot out. I refuse to do that. I'm not, if I tree five coons up one tree, one of those coons is coming out. I'm not treeing, I'm not shooting four coons out, you know, four of the coons out of that tree for no reason. I'm not a nuisance patrol. I'm not a wildlife control specialist. I'm, I'm a houndsman. I train hounds. And if it doesn't benefit my hound, then you know, there's no point in killing stuff. I'm not killing stuff just to kill stuff. You know that, and I believe every sportsman should go by that motto. You know, as we sit here with a pile of dead ring tails out the front door. No, this is we all. all this is, a, this is we all were also <laughs> we were also burning our lights dead by one o'clock in the morning from shining so many trees. <laughs> this so is very true. This is very I mean, true. When, you, when you're making you know, eighteen, nineteen, twenty trees a night. 
you're going to see a lot of coons and there's a lot of stuff going to come falling out of the trees. So, pew, pew. so all right, we've got we've got Caleb's take on how how we approach this and since I'm the host today, I'm going to let I'm going to defer to Heath and let Heath explain how he and I approached our hunt. Now, I will say this. Heath and I have not treated as many coons as Caleb and Brent did. But we've treated a fair amount. We actually have probably shot out a year's worth of coons to our dogs that we would have normally shot out in a given year just because it's how we do it home. Because y'all are not on the crossbreed level. You got you got to hunt those crossbreeds, oh boys. I'm ladies and gentlemen, if you're out there and you haven't got a crossbreed, please, please show you a whole new world. It's your oil. <laughs> <laughs> All joking aside, joking aside, jokes. Oh, I'm we, ladies and gen- ladies and gentlemen, we have this rivalry going on. Heath's he's a blue tick guy. My good friend Brent here, he's a hot diehard blue tick guy, which goes back for many years. Brent, my friend, he's run the Perina roast with his dog Carolina Blue Lead. Was on the cover of Coonhound Bloodline magazine. Went through when the UKC was really big in the late nineties. You know, he pushed hard through there. So he's got. Uh, and vast, vast amounts of knowledge within the blue tick breeds, as well as Heath Gilly. Allen is a diehard blue ticker English guy. He kind of goes back and forth. Me, myself. Oh, come on. You know you wanted to say I went both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I did. All right. Me, myself. PG, Allen. PG. I said PG-13. Me, my, me, myself. I mean, I like a coon dog, but. I was, my eyes was open, you know, I used to bear hunt and everything, and I used to run plots, and I used to, you know, years ago when I started coming. I ain't got no plots. <laughs> got a lot of stuff, but I ain't got, <laughs> got a lot of stuff. But years ago, like, when I started. I love plots, by the way. I could tell. <laughs> you know, I started out with trend walkers growing up, but. I agree, I mean, I'm not for any specific purebred now, but I want to tell you, there's a dog named Bad Habit Sambo that my good friend Wes Hamby from around Clemson, South Carolina bought. And um, he and Mark Sanford, we all went hunting. And that dog changed my world. And um, I'm a crossbreed fanatic. I love a crossbreed. And I'll probably never hunt anything but a crossbreed. But Heath Gilly, you would never catch him without anything blue. Same way with Brent Lipscomb. I begged him to join the crossbreed now, side. Now, that's not true now. I've owned a little bit of everything. Yeah. I have. Now, I, Heath, go ahead and tell your opinion of crossbreeds. Let's see. No offense. I will. No offense. <laughs> I will. No offense. Before I get into that, I will say this. Caleb's Hound Preacher is one of the best hounds I've, I've hunted with in a long time long time. That's just because you've only seen him on good nights. No, I've seen him on them bad ones too. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, he, he is a very nice hound to be a crossbred. My theory on... crossbred. <laughs> He's good. No offense, Caleb. But no, seriously, um, my take on the crossbred stuff is a lot of people will uh, just breed whatever to whatever because that stud dog may be winning or whatever and they just want to breed to get puppies out of him and they're they're not putting any time and thought into what they are actually doing with that being said alan he has made um, a cross and the those pups were crossbred you see, Alan, but, see, see, Alan's got it figured out. He was a blue tick guy, switched to English, kind of rolled back into the blue tick guy, and now he has joined the crossbreed sectional side. Right, right. That's, why, that's my man. Right, and that, but when Alan did that, my point is, Alan had put a lot of thought into it. And Alan knows a lot about genetics and everything, and, you know, uh, he's done, um, you know, research Brent does it too, or has done in the past, and me and uh, I was sold on visual research. Oh yeah, but me and Alan take, take a year and a half old dog that trees ten coons in about two hours. That in the mountains, that'll put a that'll oh, put yeah. a good visual reference for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but me and Alan, you know, over the years breeding dogs, we 
and any good breeder will do this if he's breeding not just for pup numbers but if he's breeding for coon dogs he's going to study the bloodlines he's going to figure out what's going to cross with what that's exactly right and that's why i don't have a problem with what alan's doing at all because he's done the research and he knows you know what should work and hopefully it will with it you know with this crossbred stuff and the like i said the only thing that i have against the crossbreed dogs not saying that any of bad dogs because there's bad in all breeds it don't matter what it is but just more than blue ticks they yes and uh but there's a people just breed for just to be breeding and they're not doing the research into it. Well, humans that, do that too, but nobody. Yeah, follows, follows. they should. They should do the daggum research on it too. Tyler's yeah. not gonna let me release this. <laughs> I'm just saying a crackhead and a crackhead bone. You know? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Two niggas make a pile. <laughs> they do. Not always. Unless you're talking about math. That's right. So we've so, got we've got several different viewpoints sitting at this table and but we all love one another oh we're, yeah we're, we're yeah. great friends of, you know just don't call me at two o'clock in the morning guys to come get you out of jail i'll do it but i won't be happy you get over it. but anyway back to what the original question about how we we did our hunting uh me and alan hunted off a of side by side and on this place there are trails at the wazoo i mean you can ride side by side and all and what me and Alan would do, and like I said, we didn't treat as many coons as Caleb and Brent did, but we we still had a good time. And like last night, we just take the dogs, cut them down the trail. They get in there, get struck. We jump on side by side, right down the trail. As far as we walked from the buggy was 200 yards, you know. And that was. And we still great. walked three and a half miles. Yes, and we still end up walking three and a half miles. So that can kind of tell you, the forest we walked at one time was 200 yards. So that I'll tell you how many trees was all we made. Yeah, and it was it was good hunt. It was it it was fun, low impact, low stress, not a lot of work. The cool thing about it was our thought process was if we're using the trails, so are the game. And, you know, being out here, being that I'm not 34 years old like Caleb. Word. We elected the path of least resistance. Now, Brent, the old man. Bless his heart. The old he's man. A, the old he's man a trooper. The, the old man got stuck with this guy, the young buck. Oh, he, was. he got stuck with the dang Marine. <laughs> and Brent has been a trooper. I'm telling you what, he has... Caleb has walked him to death. <laughs> and 10 years ago, I'd have been right there with Caleb walking to death, walking you to death too. But, you know, Heath and I decided you were gonna do it this way. And we, you know, obviously the results have not been quite as good, but they've been pretty good. We made 14 trees last night. One of them was a slick persimmon tree, which you can't fault a dog on for that much. Let but but uh, the other six, there were six dens and let me let, let me elaborate why me and or why I, I like hunting the way that Brentley and I hunted last night around our house in northeastern Georgia and upper South Carolina above Clemson toward the mountains line it's hard to pull and send hounds as you would in like a PKC or United Kennel Club competition hunt to where you know it's not like it used to be to where you call time out at every tree when you have to pull and send hounds it's hard to do that when the dogs is two miles off in the middle of some holler in the mountain and it's about gutted you to walk in there. The last thing you're ever contemplating is cutting that dog off that leash again. Here is a, a phenomenal way to work on pulling and sending a dog, working on them not to go back to a tree, working on them to get out of there, push out of there and find new hunting ground, and as also to be able to push through there and not hit the backtrack of the coon that they had just treed and go find a different coon. And that's that's one of the reasons why Brentley and I, you know, we we pulled us in, we parked the truck, left the truck, and we, you know, we hoofed it. And 
you know, both ways work great. I love, don't get me wrong, I am a boat hunter back home in Allen and I are, you know, and Brent and Heath as well. You know, I love hunting out of a boat, especially in the summertime. Turn the dog loose, let the dog get treated around the lake, drive the boat around. I'll step out of my crocs onto the bank, walk 10 feet up on the bank, shine the tree, pull the dog, send him again, get back in the boat and go do the same thing over and over again. But as for being able to walk through woods as open and just kind of stand with the dogs and hearing the race the whole time and kind of stand with them, you know, lining them in a specific direction or whatever else, this is the best place in North America that I think you can do that at. And I'm sure, I mean, this, I won't, I'll take that back. Between here and like the Mississippi Delta, and you know those places are all the same but as opposed to where we live at yeah, this is heaven this this is heaven on earth you know this for this, a coon hunter this, this, or for an outdoorsman for sure yeah. this is paradise i will be solemnly sad to leave this place as i am every time i leave here i mean it is you guys that are out there that live in arkansas and mississippi i envy you guys i envy you guys because Y'all have it. Y'all have. Y'all are very fortunate. But you know, let's face it, guys. I'm a farmer. The reason that for the population in the Mississippi Delta, around the White River, uh, this land is flat. Agriculture is king. That is the number one industry in this area. That's what we got. These farmers produce food to feed us, and a byproduct of feeding us is they are feeding bukus of wildlife. The U.S. government which rarely do I have praise for, has done an excellent job in this refuge, this wildlife refuge. Amen. There, there is mass tree after mass tree after mass tree, and it produces a phenomenal amount of feed resources for the game. And the Thursday night when Heath and I were, were, we, were we were hunting on Brown Shanty Road. Right. We were going through there, and I was like, man, look at all of the leftover acorns yep. that are that have sprouted over the spring. You could literally take a lawnmower and mow down the baby oak trees to to highlight a trail. That's how thick they were. And it's got to be. And it, that's from the leftover mass that the game didn't eat. Right. And it's got to be from like different flood levels throughout the year killing the underbrush that could have grown to shade them out. I noticed the same thing when Brentley and I was walking last night. It was the amount of acres that have already sprouted and have come up either from last year or this year. And, you know, the food source, the re replenishing food source that it's providing. You get around the sloughs and there's mussel shells cracked up exactly. all over the place. Frogs everywhere. Right. Crawfish, fish. crawfish. I mean, we, got, we got in a spot last night, Heath, that there were crawfish mounds everywhere mm -hmm. uh, but as, as Caleb has said several times man you just can't when, when you get 150 yards away from your dog and you see his eyes on the tree you don't you don't get to see that where we are it's no either, you can't. either the elevation changes or the or the vegetation so thick and and you know we don't have the type of agriculture where we're from that produces large amounts of game right Exactly right. And you know, as compared the, to here, on the refuge, the there, there's some old, old oak trees. I mean, I've never seen nothing like it. Yeah, it's it's, it's beautiful. I mean, these trees. I mean, like I told Alan last night, we seen some. I said, you know, that rascal right there seen Indians. You know, I mean, that's how old it looks. You know, some of them got to be close to 100 years old. Or, or more, yeah. There's some, some, some of them, years well, some of them cypress especially trees, especially those ancient cypress trees, and everything. Yeah. you know, it's legal to cut them down, right? And so it's, you know, yeah. Uh, we, I, I treated one the other night, and or my Brentley. I'm sorry, I keep saying I shouldn't do so. Brentley and I treated I, one the other I, night. I, yeah, I, I know, I know. I didn't mean to. Brentley, I'm sorry, you've been quiet over there. We treated one the other night, and this is by far the biggest tree I've ever we we <laughs> we've ever treated a coon in and i the size of this cypress tree blowed my mind like i was it was you know it was i was in awe it was almost as big around as a truck is long it was bigger yeah I was yeah it was it, it was huge and the dog looked like a little 
Little dog. It looked like Yoda's house. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It looked like a it looked like a fire ant on the side of a great big poplar back home. That's right. what my dog looked like on the side of a tree. I mean, that's. I thought we was in redwoods. You know. <laughs> I was like, huh. It's amazing. It is amazing how you get out here and see all this. And I know we keep going on and on and on about it, but you just it's seeing's believing. And I know for some of you guys that are listeners out there, we're preaching to the choir. But based on the amount of hunters that we have encountered this weekend, it's almost like we had the the whole refuge to ourselves. It's been nice. I mean, it, yeah. uh, Thursday night, opening night, we ran into a few hunters, but by and large, we were we could go hunting pretty much anywhere we wanted to and turn loose pretty much anywhere we wanted to. Conkey's Outdoors knows that keeping up with the latest in hunting technology can be expensive. That's why they are proud to offer amazing financing options from 30 days same as cash to 0% interest for 6, 9, 12, and even 18 months, depending on your credit score and the amount you spend. If you've been eyeballing that new thermal or want to upgrade to the latest in tracking system technology, go find out more on the web at conkeysoutdoors.com or if you're in the Hastings, Florida area, stop by and visit. They'd love to have you. Conkeys Outdoors, houndsmen helping houndsmen. Without fear of getting on top of somebody, we did have a few people come in on top of us. We were there first, and but it was they didn't they didn't realize we were back where we were, and we were coming out with a with a coon, going back to our side by side, and and their dogs are treed fifty yards from where we park. Right, and and. They were just, they were super nice. They were super apologetic. We're sorry, we, man, you're not bothering us. You know, we're gonna, we're just, uh, uh, we were planning on hunting down this road a little more, but if you guys wanna go, then have at it, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll go somewhere else. There's so much land here, you don't have to worry about. No, how, how many acres on the north end? 160, or I don't know, I know it all together, it's like what, 160 or 190,000 something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's the whole refuge. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think, but still, though. <clears throat> 80,000, let's just say, first say, let's just split it up yeah, 50 yeah, in the middle. 80,000 80, acres. You can find a new spot to go hunt. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter, really, literally. Does not matter if you hunt on a side by side on the trails or if you hunt off the main road. When you can no. look and when you if can you look. decide to drop hunt, you go in tree a coon. You come back to the truck. You can literally pull down the road a hundred feet and, and cut again. Right. Any spot on this place is just as good as the next. And when you can stand in open hardwoods and see three to four hundred yards deep at a standing level inside hardwoods. It's ridiculous. There's you can and there and you liable you can tree a coon, cut the dogs loose again, and then come right back by where they just treed at, and you'll be treated with another one. Like, you know, you may pull a dog off a tree and cut it loose, and it turn around, wind back, and go over here ten feet away and fall treed on what on a layup coon with another coon. And yeah, and I don't know about you guys and everything like that. They haven't been looking too much. No, no. no. Every coon we treated last night was a layup. Yeah, yeah. You'll see them sitting up there. You'll find them. But as far or as den. looking, these coons know how to hide themselves. They've been doing this. They know they you know they have a, a second instinct for survival, and they are not easy to find by any means. It's not shooting fish in a barrel. It. I mean, I oh, wouldn't. No, no. I wouldn't run. I wouldn't be running a light dead by one o'clock in the morning, trying to find coons and everything like that. And. You know, blowing some blowing reeds out well, squallers and stuff. Well, you know, well, well, you know. well in, in your lights defense, Caleb, it was one o'clock in the morning and we turned loose at five thirty. Five thirty. That's another thing too. I mean, this time of year, it had a good workload on it last night, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the, uh, this time of year is just awesome. I mean, you could actually probably turn loose at five thirty. It's dark. Right. You could probably cut loose at 15 after 5 and still treat coons. Thursday night. Treat one the third on Thursday night. Thursday yeah. night, I think it was. Thursday night, after we treated our first coon at 545. It wasn't right. even good and dark. It, it, it wasn't, wasn't even good and dark. It wasn't good and dark. Yeah, it was still great. Yeah. 545. Pulled off that tree. 
10 minutes later, we had another one tree. Right. And I, it was, it's, That's what I'm it's saying. not even a little bit. It's not even. And, and talking about like you like, like you were saying about the uh, and it, dog split and like that. Oh, it's just know? like this. You know, I took a green pup that just had, he's treated, he treats some coons by himself, but just has. This pup has treated some coons by 17 solo. Anyway, come on. <laughs> He's a pup. A few. Anyways, he's he's a year old. You he's know, a finished dog. He's a year old pup. He's off Sambo, and he's off of a mom collector female. And um, but a month ago, that crop he was he dog. yeah he was getting ready to go someplace else. He split the switch one night. I brought him out here to the refuge after he's treated a few coons in the past month. I got him a little green started. Last night he went. You know he split off tree two or three. Last night he flipped six hundred yards, split tree by itself, didn't he, Brent? Yes. And I mean, it's just <clears throat> the amount of work that uh, that shooting these coons and hunting on this place over and over and getting on these different tracks, the amount of difference it can make in tuning a dog up. Like Brent's dog last night, he took a dog that hasn't had any coons, you know, shot out to it and needed a lot of work. Within a night and a half of work, this dog is treated just as many as my old dog is and she's like a different dog like a night and day different dog and you know caleb's out here talking about his young dog getting out of there six seven eight nine hundred yards the flip side of that coin is heath and i are hunting age dogs and we're not going that far and we're having one of those dogs get treed and as we're walking to the tree 75 yards from the trail <laughs> Another dog of ours, 50 feet away from us, walking by, crawling up on the tree, and I'm sitting here going, scratching my head, going, quit lying. Just oh. shut up. Quit lying. <laughs> and we go handle the dog that was treed first, right. let the let the dog settle in, go back and find its coon, too. And, I mean, uh, they're not crazy. 30 yards apart. No. And, they're and, not and, 30 and, yards. They're 30 feet. And yeah. even when my pups split, I mean, and the whole time, it's not just me turning the pup and him going that far and treeing coon. No, it's... Two other dogs are split treed, and him splitting on his own away from the other two. Well, what and, I guess you know, what I'm trying what I'm trying to say on this deal right here is it doesn't matter the style exactly. of hound that you have. You can have that deep and lonely dog here, or you and can get along, or you can have a dog that'll walk with you, right, and still catch game. Right. This place is phenomenal. Bring bring your pup. If you got, it, please but, bring your if you want to start, I'll say it needs to be halfway started a little yeah, bit. We you need, need to have a started dog. Don't, don't don't plan on starting your dog here. No, you your dog has needs to have a basic knowledge, and it, you know it's not people. People a lot of times waste time on a dog. They're like, well, I'll bring it out there and teach it how to hunt. We all know this. We're houndsmen. I go through this a lot of times with bear hunters back home with young people, younger generation, and I'm th like, you know, I'm 34. I, but I've been hunting all my life. I've, you know, if it can be done with a dog, I've done it, you know, as far as hunting. You have to put the time in yourself. Like, Preacher, when I trained him that first year from, I got him when he was five months old, and his first year from five months to a year and a half old, I hunted him 362 nights. You know, you have to put your time to give that dog its best of a, a chance to hunt. If you don't, you're not going to get the potential of that dog out of there. You're not going to take a dog and just be like, oh, well, he'll learn he how. He take you anywhere. <laughs> he, you know, you can't bring a dog and him, and him just be like, well, he'll learn how to hunt at the refuge. You know, he's got to have a basic understanding of Tummy tight. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Caleb's over here. Dealing out great advice, and he's over here acting like a hoodlum. The blue tick BS. -er. Can I say that? Is that politically correct? Oh yeah. Oh, he's the bullshit. Okay, farewell. <laughs> that that BS. Okay, I got that. <laughs> I wasn't bullshitting right there. <laughs> Woo -hoo. Tell me tight. <laughs> but like you know, like Caleb was saying, man, it's this is again unbelievable terrain unbelievable coon population and guess what we can come back next year and do it again we will be back next year and do it again except oh, yeah. instead of coming for three days we're going to take a week well whatever brentley can allow we can't go without the dream team so whatever brentley will 
you know, feels comfortable as far as his health and, and you know, family situation. These are, these other three gentlemen are married. <laughs> I'm not married. You tell me we're going to go to the White River. I'll be ready in an hour. You know, it doesn't. My plans can work around my schedule. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if we're going to go to the White River, all else stops. Hey, what you're saying is, you're retired. I'm. Yes. <laughs> yes. So if he was married, he could join that club. Uh, yeah, I know it. Well, he's he's formally. Yeah, he basically is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just have a very understanding of a woman, and she knows that my passion is hunting. This is what I do, and I've done it all my whole life, and um, with or without her, I'm still going to do it. Right. <laughs> and that's just the bottom line of the deal, you know? What do you think about it, Brennan? Jump in anytime. Just talking to a Come wise on, man. man. My father and always riding down the road, and he asked Ronald, "You're not saying a whole lot." He said, "Brent, it's the reason, good Lord, give you two ears and one mouth. Listen more than you talk, and you will learn more." Well, by God, you learn a lot right now, ain't you? Absolutely. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa! Time out. Time out. We couldn't shut you up while ago. You ain't got gunshot. Just saying. Brent likes to give us a hard time. He's being shy. He's being big boot. No, what he's done is them wheels and that hamster's just running like everything in his head because he's trying to figure out what he can say. <laughs> but I did tell the guys we tried to need to be PG-13. It's already going to be heavily edited because we're not. What Brent's thinking is... We're borderline. We're, we're, borderline. Si we're 16 plus. We're almost TVMA. Well, if they hadn't heard it, they probably will pretty soon. What you know. else? And you know, schools ain't like they was back in the day when we went. Yeah, they were. No. Yeah, it is. Yeah, two plus two is still 22 in they, Georgia, y'all. Damn, damn, <laughs> damn what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it, they just didn't have social media or cameras on their cell phone. We didn't even have cell phones. But, you know, yeah. that's the biggest difference. They still, We did stupid stuff, too. I know we did super stuff, but not not like a lot of, a lot of these pop, 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 people, out, hey. people are doing, children are doing these days. Well, in the way they talk to their parents, now that's why I'm saying this. Just, just the generation's different than when we was growing up. Understood. But again, folks, if if you ever get the chance, make sure you come out here to the Dale Bumpers. White River National Wildlife Refuge. The season for raccoons opens on December the 5th. Make sure you're here. They have a specially reserved opening day, November 17th. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Three of you live in Georgia. You spend most of your time in Georgia, huh? I'm a South Carolina native. We can throw a rock and, and get I you. live in South Carolina. Yeah. We'll claim you. We'll claim you. And I am not a Georgia fan, ladies and gentlemen. I am a Clemson fan. That is my alma mater. That is where I went to school. My blood runs orange. I know we're having a horrible season this year, but we will not <laughs> speak of that. We don't. We made a pact. We're not talking about football. We're here to coon hunt. Go down! I can't see it. I'm, I gotta, I'm holding back my words. They want to come out, but I got to keep it. It's going to be a lot of beef. So, yeah. We should name this one Outnumbered. Outnumbered. <laughs> it ain't the first time I've been outnumbered. <laughs> come out on top that time, too. <laughs> oh. Was there anything else you guys want to talk about. I you mean, won't let us. <laughs> no, I'm talking about within reason. Within reason, Heath. Come on, man. No, we're, we're out here having a great time. Uh, we're shooting the breeze. I did, like I said, I did tell him we tried to need to keep it PG-13 because it could get wild up in here. But, uh, man, this has been fun. It's it's always great to get together with... with... Go ahead. I've got one more thing. Go ahead. We're going to be called... Ladies and gentlemen, 
You want Trey Cain to get your crossbreed? You want him? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm playing. No, he's not. No, he's serious. He's serious. He's serious as a heart attack. No, seriously. I if, can't take these guys anywhere. If you do decide to come out here, um, you need you need to come with a three or four year. Real Closest friend of real, real good friends. <laughs> no, seriously, real good friends. Cause well, these guys, I mean, like how and you gotta have thick skin. Oh, if yeah. you get if you get butt hurt over little stuff, you're not gonna have fun hunting with your buddies. I come out here with with some real good friends because, like us, yeah, we have treated a lot of coons, but even if we hadn't treated any coons, just the fun we've had. You know, and the good time we had. Oh, the fellowship and the Yeah, the fellowship and the brotherhood of it. I mean, that that's what it's about. I mean, it's about that, and it's about your hounds, you know. So if you do decide to book a trip, just get you some good buddies, and y'all, y'all have at it. I really hope y'all enjoyed that interview as much as I did. If you like what you heard here, go on over to Facebook. Give us a like, at Coon Hunting U. Also, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out. And remember, if you need a new hunting light, do not overlook Superior. They make an awesome light, best customer service in the business. Man, their walking light and double red is the brightest I've ever seen. Use coupon code CHUPODCAST at checkout at nighthunters.com. You can find the link in the description box below this. Coon Hunting University is a product of Audio Hound Productions. Until next time, y'all have a wonderful day.